So when we meet Jesus and we declare that He is the Son of God, immediately you become a son or a daughter. Immediately your identity is given to you. That we are loved and that we are grounded and rooted in His love and we know that we're His kids, then all of a sudden we get to understand what we're made for, what our purpose is, which is where inheritance really begins. Intimacy says God chose you and He loves you. Jesus Christ died for you because God loves you that much that He wants relationship with you. You can't perform it. You can't earn it. You have to. Uh, it is great to be up here, as you know. Thank you. Comb my hair. I combed my hair for this. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I got dressed. Um, so here I, here I am. I found my pants and got out of my robe. And uh, um, so for those of you that don't know what the heck I'm talking about, um, so I have been for the last, I haven't been up here to preach for nine Sundays. Um, and I have been working on a writing project for this church, and, um, and so that's going to be made available to you guys. It's a, it's a one-a-day handbook kind of journal that we're going to go through together in January, February, and March, and so we are taking pre-orders. It is so close to being done, so all I've been doing is writing and writing and writing and writing and writing, and so it is wonderful to be done with that. It is so great to be up here. I would much, 1,000 times rather, preach uh, than sit in front of a computer and write um, but it was a labor of love. It was a labor that we felt like Holy Spirit put on us to do. It is an opportunity for us to, as a family to go deeper into intimacy, identity, and inheritance, which is what we do every year, January, February, month, March. We go through intimacy, identity, and inheritance. And what this is is a place for us to be able to go deeper together so we're not being transferred information about it from the stage, but daily we're going through it. Um, and so that's what I've been working on and writing on and finished it up. We're editing it. We're putting it all together. It's uh, available. Some of you may have gotten emails about that. If you didn't, check your inbox. If you would like to pre-order that, uh, we are selling them uh, through pre-order. They're only $12. So we want every single person to have their own. So, so we try to bring it down to a price that is affordable. Um, once we order them, we will have them in for the last part of December. On December 21st, that Sunday, we will have those in and we will be selling them. But in, in person, in-house, we're going to have to sell them for $15 to factor in the shipping and, the, and, and the egg, buying the extras because we don't know how many we're going to need. So if you want to get those for $12, you can also buy 10 of them for 100 bucks. So we're trying to get you guys to get as many into, into hands as possible so that we get to go through that together um, and do that. So that'll be available. Pre-order those at the Welcome Center. Pay attention to our social media, Facebook, Instagram. Tomorrow we'll be launching those links to you guys and probably sending out a couple more emails, just making sure that everybody gets one of those. Um, all right. But I am here to preach, not to sell handbooks. Um, And we have been doing a series, People of Presence, or People of Promise. And so this is where we've been, and this is where we'll be going for the next few weeks as we head into the holidays. We wanted to use this as an opportunity to, to really encourage our hearts and challenge one another, to remember that our God is faithful, and that he's faithful to the promises that he's given to us in his word. He's faithful to the promises that he's given to us as a whole, as a community, and he's also faithful to the promises that he's spoken into your life as an individual. And as we came out of the book of Hebrews, we learned that he who promised is faithful, that when we are walking in the promises of God, that we are not standing in a destination going, God, I want you to show up this particular way at this particular time. But when we're, when we're doing that, being a person of promise is to walk with him. And as Kate told us, 
when she spoke. It is, his promises truly are invitations for us to walk with him and, and discover how those promises might unfold. I know this. I'm not trying to blow your mind right out of the gate here. But God could actually speak multiple promises to people, and they might, they might be fulfilled in different ways. And he, he might even speak the exact same promises to different people. And those promises could turn out looking different at the destination. That's why we don't get that destination disease to say, oh, it has to look this way. It has to be this way. It's about receiving promise as an invitation to relationship and then walking that promise out with him, discovering that it is his faithfulness that brings you into the unfolding of that promise in that fulfillment of that promise. And so we want this to be, we want our understanding of people of promise to be this. The promises coming into our life as a tangible expression of the, uh, of the magnitude, of the faithfulness, of the reality of who God is. It is his attributes in personified and momentary form where we show up and we say, God, you did this. This is him being there. And so as we pull out these promises, we are learning to look at his character. We're learning to look at his, the principles of scripture. We're learning to look at his attributes. We're not simply plucking out promises because you might end up with one that's for Jacob. You might end up with one that's for Sarah. You might end up with one that's for Israel. You might end up with one that's for David. And I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry, that promise was for David. It's not for you. But the character of God that is revealed in that promise is for you. And that is who we see in Jesus. And all of God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus. So as we look at being people of promise and we study scripture, we are learning about his attributes and who he is, his character and his nature personified in showing up in our lives. And so he is the one who is backing up the promises that he gives us. But I, but I also want to say this, because being in a charismatic church, you will get prophetic words and you will get promises, right? You, if, I'm, if I said, what are some promises that God has given you in your life? You would, you would be able to show me. Maybe you've written them down. Maybe someone has shared something with you. Maybe you had a dream and you wrote down a promise, right? And so we love to be people who are holding on to personal promises. But can I tell you that a promise, a dream, a prophetic word, it is not a guarantee. Come on. It's not a guarantee. It is an invitation. And when you look at prophetic words that people speak over your life, if you look at things that Holy Spirit has revealed to you and you stand on those and you plant your flag on those and say, God, this is guaranteed to happen, you're going to miss the fulfillment of it because I can also make guarantees that aren't worth anything. And I guarantee that that promise, that was funny, and that that promise is not going to be fulfilled the way that you expect. So are you going to be a person who lives in expectancy saying, God, I can't wait to see how you fulfill this promise that I'm holding on to? Or are you going to be a person who lives in expectation, surrounding yourself with disappointment because things are not happening the way that you expect them to? So I don't want to be a person who is holding God up under my expectations. I want to be a person who is living in expectancy saying, this hasn't happened yet but I can't wait to see how it happens. It hasn't happened yet, but I can't wait to see how it happens because, because living with expectations and constantly being disappointed invites bitterness and it invites you to live in pride that says, God, I know how to do my life my way and I know the best solution for all of the things that you have promised into my life. And you might discover that he is doing something far different within that same promise. He is doing something far different than what you expect. So let's be people who hold expectation really dear to us. Um, as Kate sh shared with us, 
This series is, is gonna prompt us and it's gonna challenge us to deal and confront with doubt and disappointment when it comes to promises that you are holding on to. And for that, I'm speaking of maybe personal promises and hopes and dreams that you've been given and you're holding on to those. You're gonna have to confront doubt and disappointment in those areas and really invite him to show up and continue to be the focus. You have to live with your eyes on the promise giver, not just on the fulfillment of the promise. Being people of promise means we put our eyes on the promise giver, not on the fulfillment of promise, and that we are gonna be challenged as people of promise. We're gonna be challenged to live by faith in what we hope for, not miserable until the promise is fulfilled, okay? I want you fulfilled in the unfolding fulfilled in the unfolding. If you are satisfied in the one who makes the promise, you will be fully satisfied in whatever process you're going through. And that is the challenge that this series is bringing to us. So um, we want to live that out. Last week, Kate talked about the potter and the clay and how he's forming us and taking each individual moment and situation of our life and that as we give it to him, he's able to craft it and form it because we trust him. You're a good father who sees me, who knows me, and I'm giving back the clay of this situation and I'm giving it back to you because the clay of my life holds a promise. I can't work it out myself, but I know the master. If I give this back to you, I know that you have something that you can create even out of this lump of clay. Why? Because the clay holds a promise. Why? Because your life holds promises. But if you're the one trying to work it, you're gonna end up with a lump of clay. Still gonna be a lump of clay. But given back to the master, he can take that and turn it into something beautiful. And so Kate challenged us last week to, to continue to give back and trust that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, Philippians 1.6. And so this week's promise that I wanna to talk to you guys about for the next few minutes is that the gift and call on your life are irrevocable. They are not removed based on circumstances. They're not removed based on your failure. They're not removed for anything. Why? Because they're based on his faithfulness. And if he's promised things, if he has called you and gifted you, those are on him and they're not on you. They're not based on your behavior, your failure or mistakes that you have made. The gifts and call in your life are irrevocable. That is Romans eleven twenty nine. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the background of that verse, because as I said, just pulling verses out of context and slapping them onto your life is not a very healthy way to go through and, and see, be a person who's living in that place of being fulfilled in the unfolding. So what you have to understand about Romans 11, Paul and his brilliance is talking about how God has come through Jesus, the Messiah, came to Israel, came to the Jews, came to his people and revealed himself and saying, this is who I am. I'm not into this old covenant system anymore. I'm not into this temple anymore. I won't do Hebrews again. You guys, you guys were awesome. I think we did 15 weeks in Hebrews, but you know that he's saying, I am here to reveal to you the that, that system is no longer in place and that I am the fulfiller of this covenant and I'm bringing you a new and better covenant. And so the people of the Israelites rejected Jesus as the Messiah. What happened in response to that was that God said, okay, so if they're going to reject the Messiah, I am going to go to the Gentiles, which is the non-Jewish people all around them. I'm going to take the gospel of who I am to them. And in so doing, Paul was released as a missionary and he began to travel and plant churches and we see the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, taking hold in the Gentiles. They weren't the, they weren't the people who had, who had Yahweh and the temple and the priesthood and the, the law at the center of their lives. It was people who were, de in, some, in many cases, were detached from that entirely. And so Paul went to them, Jesus said, go to them. But it wasn't that they were replacing his call or the gifts that he had for Israel, because in this passage, he's saying, 
as the gospel goes out to the Gentiles, there's going to be this swelling that takes place. And in that swelling, this wave is going to crash back over my people and that they are going to come to know Jesus, the Messiah, as well. Why? Because the gifts that I have given to my people and the call that I have placed on them is irrevocable. It is never ending and it will not be withdrawn. Even if they turn their backs on me, even if they run from me and worship other gods, even if they crucify me, my call to their hearts, my call on them, the gifts that I've placed in them are irrevocable. And so I want to say this to you. If it's true of a nation of people, because it's true of God, it can also be true in principle and character of your life as well. Because what we learn from this is when God speaks something into someone's life, when he crafts and forms you a call and a gift and an anointing on your life, an anointing is a fancy way of saying just a supernatural favor that's on your life for certain things. If he has given that to you and spoken that into your life, just as he did to a nation of people, He's saying, I'm not going to withdraw it based on your behavior. And it's the same thing for you and I. He's not going to pull back and withdraw the things that he's called you to do and gifted you to do and put in your life because of anything that you've been through, anything that you've done or anything that's happened to you. And so I get it. Generally speaking, he doesn't revoke his invitation on the Jews. He doesn't revoke his invitation on all of us to be a part of his family. And individually, he doesn't revoke his invitation and the calls and the gifts that he's placed on your life. So I get it that everyone is called. And this is what I said yesterday. I'm going to do a little bit of an old school word because it's not always a really, it's not super hip to talk about individuals being called to specific things. It's, it's more we get this kind of blase, like everybody's called. Everybody gets, it's all, let's all just go. Go where? I'm just going to go and be comfortable because that's where I feel like I'm called to go. Everybody's called. And I get it. Everybody is called. There's a general call in your life to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. There's, for all of us, there's a commissioning for all of us in Christ. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You are, you are called to Jesus. You are, you, are, you are an ambassador who is commissioned. You're also sent we know Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So, the, so the, the commission that stands on all of our life is to be sent so that we would go. Wherever that means, if that's a block or if that's around the globe, that we are going and we're carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ with us everywhere in obedience to making disciples of the nations. And this is true, but I believe like Jeremiah or King David, that every one of us is also called specifically. Jeremiah God says this of him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was born, he was known, he was set apart, and he was appointed. But I believe that that is true of each one of us, that in the, in the womb and in the formation that God is saying, I know you, I formed you, and I put specific things in you that no one else has. I have a call and I have gifts on your life and I have set you apart for things that are unique to you. So yes, we are all called. We are all set apart. We are all commissioned and we are all sent. But specifically, like Jeremiah or like King David, who they lined up all of his brothers to anoint one of them to be the king and they went down through each of the brothers of the family, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, anybody else. 
Uh, David's, he's hanging out at the field. Uh, let, let's bring him out. So here comes David. This is the one. And the prophet Samuel of that time, looking, when Israel's looking for a king to replace King Saul, is saying, I'm going to anoint one of these men to be the king. And he looked and he knew that God had a specific anointing on one of their lives until he came to David. Like Jeremiah, you have a specific call. You've been formed and set apart for certain things. Like David, who was set apart for that moment, you're set apart. You're called. And it's easy for us to say everybody's called, but something happens when we say everybody's called, everybody's called, everybody's called, is that sometimes nobody answers. Because everybody's called. And it matters that we know what we are, who we are, why we're doing the things that we're doing. If I said, hey, we have all the tools in that room next door. We're gonna go right now and we're gonna renovate it. Let's all go. I'm, I need all of you to come and help me. And we all went over there. You guys would get over there and you would just stand around. You'd be like, we're here. We answered the call. Unless I'm willing to say, you know what? I need you to hold this hammer. I need you to cut these boards. I need you to measure this. I need you to do this until we started to know, wait, what am I doing in this grand call? What am I specifically doing? And when you begin to understand what you're specifically doing, you have come alive into the gifts and the call and the promises that God has for you just as you would be feeling so confident in that work situation, knowing what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Everybody come and help. Here's what I need you to do. And I believe that's what God is doing. He's called all of us. Rise up, sons and daughters. I'm sending you to the nations. Here's what I need you to do. This is what it looks like for your life. This is what it looks like for your life. And please hear me, because people get so bogged down in this. Okay. Don't get bogged down in this. Don't make it weird. Okay. <laughs> I got to know what I'm called to do or I can't do anything. Stop it. It's such... It's such a cop-out of ambivalence. It's like, just do what you do in your private time, in your private place, having that intimacy with the Lord. And when you get out there, just do those things where you find yourself. And, and, and you'll find that your call and that conversation, God, what do you want me to do right here, right now? What do you want me to do in this moment, in this thing, with this person? Then your, your call just begins to unfold. It's not something that you have to sit in your, in your, uh, your quiet time with your coffee and, until you figure it out and then do it. You could be there for years. Because your call is discovered in your process. Your call is discovered in your obedience, and your call is discovered in your yes. And sometimes we withhold our yes as an excuse when we don't know exactly what we're supposed to do. And he's more important to, more important to God is your yes than you understanding every step that has to be laid out before you before you move forward. So like Jeremiah and like David, you are called, you have specific things that he has orchestrated and is currently orchestrating for you to be a part of in advancing the kingdom and moving forward in that. I know that for me, there's these moments and we want these moments. We want these moments like King David where, where he, 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 wouldn't it be great as I'm, as I'm kind of encouraging you to not get bogged down trying to figure out what your specific exact call is, but honestly, wouldn't it be great if like someone came in and lined you up and was like, okay, everybody line up. We're going to figure out who's going to be the next pastor of a, of a church plant we're doing in East Medford. All right, who's, let's, nope, 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 nope. Oh, it's you. Poor oil. You're done. You got it figured out. Like that would be, that would be wonderful. In fact, let's try it. Stand up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And we want those moments, but it's not always going to be that moment. What about David's other brothers? Were they off the hook? 
Were they not called to anything? Was their life not set apart for anything? Just because they were passed over to be king doesn't mean they didn't have an anointing and a call and a purpose for their life as well. When you don't get a specific moment where heaven opens and a dove comes down and lands on you, sorry, Jesus, is, that's yours. Um, if you don't have that moment, it doesn't mean that you're passed over. It doesn't mean you're forgotten. It doesn't mean that there's still not an assignment on your life. And I want those moments. And I think those moments can actually happen in settings like this. But so often we're saying, everybody's called. Let's all just sort of do the things that we're supposed to do. High five participation trophies for everybody. <laughs> and this should be the setting where we're actually stirring people to say, stand up. What is God anointing you to do? Stand up. What is God calling you to do? Let's go, let's move, let's begin to believe that we, are, we have specific calls and purposes on our life and that we are not passed over, that we are not forgotten. I know for me, that specific moment happened at Camp Willow Creek in the sixth grade. And, uh, and the guy was, there was a person preaching, talking about, about, uh, about ministry, a vocational lifestyle of ministry. It says, anybody in this room feel like they're called to ministry? Not just the general, like called to, to do things, but like you want to get paid doing ministry. I was like, I, wanna, I would like to get paid. I'm kidding. He didn't say that. You guys, y'all are so serious today. Come on. I haven't been up here for 10 weeks. You forget my sense of humor so quickly. And the guy was like, who knows that Holy Spirit is calling you to a life set apart for ministry. And I felt that moment was, it was my David moment. It was that anointing moment. It was that place where I just remember and look back to him and say, God, that's me. And I stood up to my feet and then I ascended to the third heaven and uh, no, honestly. And then I woke up the next day and I had a church. No. And then I woke up the next day and I had everything. No, absolutely not. It was the yes that led me to where I am today. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that I did not have it. I had no map. I didn't have a destination. He gave me a direction and he said, I'm going to be with you. You stick with me. I think this thing might've fallen apart again. But it was not that the next day, all of a sudden I had everything figured out. It was the process that he was willing to walk it out with me. And I think that's how our call a lot of times unfolds for our, for our life. And so for some of you though, in this room, I want to say this, you are called to specific ministry. You are called to professional ministry. That's a fancy way of making it seem like we know what we're doing in ministry. Um, you are called to vocational ministry. There's an assignment on your life to pastor or plant a church, to, do, to go to the mission field. There's people in this room who God wants to take to the nations. There's people in this room who God wants to plant churches through. There's people in this room who God wants to change kids' lives and youth's lives through. That you have a specific call on your life for that thing. And I, and I don't want to create an environment where so much of everybody's doing all the things that we don't take a moment to begin to stir up what is it that Holy Spirit is specifically speaking over your life. And how do we partner with you to see that come about? And you're saying, I, I don't have that anointing moment. I don't have that moment at, at, at Camp Willow Creek. I don't have that moment where Samuel the prophet comes and dumps oil on my head. Like, how am I... How, how, how come I don't see this call or these gifts or this anointing unfolding in my life the way that you're saying? And I, I, want to, I want to encourage you. I think a lot of times we get too worried about the condition of our life or the qualifications that we need to fulfill before we say yes to the call that's on our life. Let's turn to Mark 5. This is where I said we would be, so here we are. I'm going to read this story to you. This is Jesus, and he takes a little, a little break from ministry. He's called to the Jews. He's called to the Israelites, to his people, and he's coming to make, make the Father known to them. 
So Jesus is traveling, he's doing miracles, he's setting people free. And, and, he, and, and in Mark chapter five, we have this little side story. And in the side story, is, it goes like this. They, Jesus and the disciples got on the boat, they went across the region, uh, to the region uh, of the Gentiles. And then when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. So this is the greeting party that you want. This man lived in the tombs, we found such a great place for our little vacation for the day. They're just, Jesus and the disciples, this is what it should be called. Jesus and the disciples try to get away for the day. Let's go across the lake. I'm sure there's no one that knows us over there. Ah, demons. He lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, in God's name don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. So there was a herd of pigs. Jesus sent the demons into the pigs, not because he hates pigs. Don't overthink it. They were just nearby. <laughs> Those who had, been, had seen him do this told the people in the region what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And they told about the pigs as well. The pigs had, had run off a cliff and died, 2,200 pigs. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. <laughs> as Jesus was getting into the boat, like, okay, I'll leave. I'm sorry about your pigs. Uh, don't mention the man who you guys all used to be afraid of that is now okay, but sorry about your pigs. I'll leave. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said to him, go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Such a powerful reality of what had taken place is that this man who had encountered God and had been set free, completely set free, said, Jesus, I wanna go with you. I wanna be a part of your ministry team. I wanna do the things that you're doing. And he said to him, all I want you to do is go home. And I want you to live out this encounter that I gave you. And I want you to share with people the mercy that you've encountered in me. Now, this is the Gentile nation. Jesus came to the Jewish nation. This is the Gentiles, the Decapolis, the 10 cities of that region. When Paul goes to plant the gospel and when Paul goes to preach throughout the region, what was the seed? What was, what was he going to, to breathe on? What was God's spirit breathing on in this as the Gentiles said yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ years later? What was it that was happening? What was God breathing on? It was this testimony of this man who it says he went to the 10 cities around the region and he told. And so he went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. When Paul showed up to plant churches, those churches were already planted. The seeds of those churches were born out of this encounter that this one man had with Jesus, who was demon-possessed, who could not be chained, who was cutting himself, and people were scared to death of him. And Jesus healed him in a moment, and he uncovered from him, out of darkness being torn out of his life, he uncovered what? The gifts and the call that were on his life from the time that he was formed in his mother's womb, because they are irrevocable, 
They are not removed. It doesn't matter if you're possessed by demons, chained up in a cemetery, breaking chains, cutting yourself, screaming, and scaring the snot out of people. You have gifts and calls that God has put into your life as a good father, and he will rip the darkness out of you. And as you have that encounter revealed, you'll say, here is what I'm called to do. Here is what I want to do. I want to make Jesus famous. And so Jesus said, Let's, let me have you join my disciples and we'll hang out for the next three years and I will train you and I will take you through a, a, a Bible college and then we will get you to be able to walk people through the Romans road so that you can, I will stop, so that you can convert them. No, Jesus said, Jesus said this, hey, Jesus, can I go with you? No, you know what? You're commissioned as a missionary to the Gentiles. Go. Put some pants on. <laughs> and go. Why are we not walking in the anointing, the gifts, the calls in our life? Because we are so concerned with how we have disqualified ourselves because of our lives and the things that we've done or haven't done or we're behind. We've made mistakes. Whatever it is, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable as long as you've had an encounter with Jesus, as long as you're in your right mind, and as long as you have pants on. He wants to use your life to tell the story of his mercy to people who need to encounter Jesus, not on the stage, but in your life, at the core of your life. Go back to who you know. Go back to the places that you go. Oh, that's right. This is Jesus. How, okay, so can we just laugh for a second about how much, how much of a mess most of the disciples have been? You, you guys got to hang out with me for three years. But this guy, yeah, he's, he's got about 12 minutes of sanity, and we got him some clothes. He can go. Go, go, go be a missionary. Like the, Peter's like, oh, sweet, I'm going to go too. No, Peter, 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 you're not quite ready yet. Come back. <laughs> oh, come on, Jesus. I want to do ministry too. Just kidding. They were just as qualified, just as equipped, just as gifted to move in the things they did. But Jesus needed them to be able to stay with him so that they could tell the story. And if he didn't need the story told, I guarantee you he would have released all of them to tell the story right away of the encounters that he, they had witnessed and the mercy that they had been shown. Because this is what happens. The reason that we aren't often walking in the gifts and the call that God has for our life is that we have disqualified ourselves. We're looking too much to what we have done wrong and we're not looking enough to what Jesus has done in us. We're too worried about the condition of our life. We're too worried about our qualifications. And when this is how Jesus did it. Have you encountered me? Has your life been changed? Has your mind been set right? Are you dressed? <laughs> Go. Go. Go and share with people the mercy that you've received. Go to your home. Go to the people that you know and start there. Because the reality is, is that if you are not living out a called and anointed and gifted life in the middle of your home, then I can't send you somewhere and believe that you're going to do it there. So it starts in your heart and it starts in your home. And if you will live and surrender to the work that he has done in your life in those places, you don't have, you don't have to preach. Listen, don't, you don't have to take the, the, the megaphone with you. But you do have to be able to express the truth of who Jesus is and lead people into the hope that you profess. 
and that you do that at the core of your life. And as you do that at the core of your life, what happens is these passions and these gifts and these calls on your life begin to unfold right before you. And they're never that destination. It's always the unfolding that he wants to do in your life and through your life. So here's what I want you to do. Can you put that slide up here? Here's what I want, I want you to do. I want to get serious about this. Because I haven't been serious this whole time. I just, just, I've been serious. There it is. Here's what I want you to do. I want to take a couple minutes. I want to ask you something. Holy Spirit, would you come and, and just begin to work in our lives right now? Awaken things that we've buried. Nudge places where we've disqualified ourselves. Let us be encouraged by the story. Even, even as we joke and we laugh a little bit, let us be encouraged by the story of the man who was filled with demons and a few minutes later was so passionate to follow you anywhere that you were able to send him to the exact right place where he needed to be. Awaken in us the desires and the calls and the things that are on our life. I feel this thing that, that sometimes we don't have a call in our life because we have a hunch <laughs> of what it might be, so we're afraid to ask. You already have the answer, though. You already know. It's places where you're passionate, it's places where you have that compassion, it's places where you see things that other people are overlooking, and you want to see Jesus made famous in those places, and in those lives, and in those regions, and in that city, in that neighborhood, in that home. Here's what I want you to do, just as an action step. Do you guys all get out your phones real quick? Those of you that don't already have them out checking, your Instagram and your... Just kidding, I see you though. Um, <laughs> I want you to text that number as an act of obedience and as a stepping across a threshold in your own life. You have calls on your life and for some of you, you've had them for so long that you've dismissed them and you think you've screwed them up too much and you can't ever walk in them. And as an act of faith and partnership with Holy Spirit who says the gifts and the call that I have spoken over your life and formed into your life are irrevocable. I want you to text what you feel like God is calling you to or to do to that number. That's actually Jesus's phone number. So, <laughs> and Santa. You can text your Christmas list. So this, you can put your name if you want. You can do it anonymously if you want. It, goes to, it honestly goes to a, our church phone. And, and um, it's, it's one of those dial ones. And, um, and so you, all you're doing is you're confessing with your thumbs what you know to be true in your heart and you're partnering with God and saying, God, I know that you are called, you're calling me to this. I know you're calling me to this person. I know you're calling me to this place. I know you're calling me to step out in this area. I know that you're calling me to be a pastor and I've been de denying it. I know that you're calling, whatever it is. Take a bold step this morning. Here am I, send me. Before I, is it sending back to you like undeliverable? Is there someone dinging? Who's dinging? Is it working? Is it working? Oh, hey, I'm getting them all. Let me read them to you. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll close that. Have no fear. 
It's fine. Just do it. Just do it. Ding, ding it up. That's actually really cool. Listen to that. That's people saying, this is what I'm called to do. Come on. Jesus, let's pray and we'll get you guys out of here. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the call that you've placed to all of us to come and know you and to be set free in you, to be reconciled to you, to be taken out of death and into eternal life through you, Jesus. That's the call that you have given to all of us. We thank you for the commissioning that you've given to all of us to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And we thank you for the, that you've sent us to be making disciples, but specifically you have also put into each one of these lives in this room things and places that only they can do, places they can go. Assignments and ministries and things that you're releasing. And we say, yes, Jesus. So go so much further than just sending a text that I believe in sending a text that you are making an agreement with Holy Spirit that he sees and he agrees and he is calling that forward out of you right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Keep sending those in, you guys. Work in that partnership. You are called. You are gifted. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys.